Hi there. Welcome to the Agency Freedom Podcast, where we take our listeners from captive to indie to market domination. I'm your host, James Jenkins. Thanks for joining us on episode 24. Episode 24. This is also number three in our series of Hot Takes episodes. It's a solo episode where I'm going to take you uh, on a bit of a journey on a very specific topic here. And the course, the, the menu, if you will, for this episode is how to build your perfect carrier toolbox. Exactly the perfect mix of carriers, of MGAs, of wholesalers, of programs that you are going to have on your menu of insurance products to deliver to your clients. How do we design this? How do we plan for it? How do we build the perfect mix for maximum competitive advantage for you, for your office, for your team, for the markets, uh, the geographic markets, and also the uh, verticals that you are looking to serve? Uh, Anyone on the captive side of the world uh, that we all work in, the insurance industry, this is going to be simultaneously a very difficult and incredibly important topic to wrap your head around and to make smart decisions on because uh, as many of us can attest, if you uh, make a wrong decision, if you uh, burn a bridge accidentally or set yourself up for failure with your carrier and program mix, it can be hard to dig yourself out of that hole. So we're going to jump into that in detail in this episode. I want to ask you to take three actions if you haven't already, and many of you have, so thank you for that. The first one is subscribe to the Agency Freedom Podcast on whatever platform you find yourself listening on, whether it's Apple or Spotify or Google or Stitcher or wherever. Please subscribe because it helps drive the algorithm. The second is leave a review if you like what you hear. If you don't like what you hear, if you're annoyed uh, with me or the content or whatever, uh, drop us a line at podcast at riskwell.com. We'd love to hear your opinion on how we can make this thing better. Uh, the last thing I want to seem is is stuck on myself or on some kind of ego ride. Uh, this whole thing is one big give back. Uh, to the agency, uh, excuse me, industry, I should say, that I love, that has been uh, very good to me. I've been on the receiving end of many council type of conversations, many uh, things of good advice that I've received. And that is the reason that this podcast exists, uh, to help people on the captive side make their freedom jump and to help those who are already on the independent side be better at what they do, be more successful, uh, to practice that blue ocean mentality. And the last thing I will ask before we jump into the bumper and get to the episode is that you would simply take a moment and think who in your circle needs to be introduced to Agency Freedom Podcast, uh, whether they're a captive agent or someone who uh, just wants to get better in their journey as an IA uh, agency principal uh, or a team member. And that's really it for the housekeeping items. We're going to go ahead and hit the bumper now and get into the content for episode 24. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. There are two kinds of people in the insurance industry. Those who are captive and those who are free. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. There is so much I wish I would have known before I made the freedom jump to the independent side. I mean, even now, I feel like I'm learning something new every single month. We're all about helping insurance agency owners and sales professionals reach your maximum potential and flex your freedom. 
My team and I replaced six years of captive agency revenue in 17 months with RiskWell. 17 months, man. It's crazy. This show is where I share our successes, our failures, and what I've learned along the way. We lay out a blueprint of how to make your freedom jump from captive to indie to market domination. I'm bringing you colleagues from markets across the country with dozens of different specialties. They're eager to share their stories and best practices with you. I'm your host, James Jenkins. Welcome to Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. All right, let's get to it. If you want my notes for this episode, and uh, as I do with all of our Hot Takes episodes, uh, I have already planned out uh, the the content of what we're going to go through here together. If you want to get uh, a one-page recap PDF of this episode, uh, please feel free to visit our website at Agency Freedom Podcast. Sign up for the email list every Friday morning at 6 a.m. Central or thereabouts. Uh, you'll get an email from me that has a link in there to download uh, the PDFs. Uh, They are all available for you completely free of charge. We don't make $1 off of any of our listeners directly. We never will. I'm not a guru pitching anything. I'm a fellow uh, warrior in the trenches, just like you guys are. So, All right, so the topic for this episode is building your perfect carrier toolbox. And I say your instead of the perfect carrier toolbox because the answer to this question is going to be very different for every single agency uh, that is out there in the industry. Everyone is going to have slightly different needs uh, in certain areas. There's going to be a great amount of overlap for most quote-unquote normal agencies, but Uh, For anyone who's doing anything unique or special or having some kind of uh, specialization or niche focus of any kind, uh, then your perfect carrier mix is going to be very different from the rest of us. So I'm just going to jump in here. The first thing we're going to talk about is Insurance Markets 101. And uh, for those of you that are already in the independent side of the industry, some of this may seem remedial to you, but it is an important uh, piece of content to put out there. There are uh, a few different categories of uh, ways to access an actual provider of an insurance product. The first and most common is uh, through the use of standard or admitted carriers. These are the names that we've all heard of. Uh, They come in many different flavors. A lot of them are the big national carriers, the Travelers and Safeco and Progressive and such uh, that operate in all 50 states and generally have a very wide and broad appetite for adding agents. They also have uh, other flavors of standard admitted carriers, uh, regionals and super regionals that are still very large and operate in many states, uh, but they are not uh, national yet. Uh, I'm looking at uh, the Eries, uh, the state autos, the auto owners, uh, those kind of carriers that are definitely have uh, a large footprint, uh, but they are not uh, quite to the level of uh, a travelers or progressive, etc. cetera, uh, a, a national carrier that has you know, billions and billions of, of written premium uh, and, and, and such. So lastly, on the standard carrier side of things, we have smaller, uh, very uh, focused to one state or geographic area, uh, the smaller mutuals, 
uh, niche players that typically have a particular thing that they want to write that they're good at. Uh, a good example here in the Texas market is a company called Germania, uh, which is very good in rural markets and the uh, farm and ranch segment. Um, so there are many, many, many mutuals uh, across the country that only serve uh, agents in a certain geographic area and are not at all interested in working with um, you know other agents from elsewhere. If you operate up in the Northeast, you probably have more of those than just about anybody else. I feel like there's you know hundreds of these tiny little carriers sprinkled all over the uh, the Eastern Seaboard and the New England area. Uh, part of which that's uh, uh, definitely part of why we haven't expanded into that part of the country, simply because so many of the competitive carriers uh, don't allow me to have an appointment and we don't have enough production to support that relationship anyway, uh, which we'll get into here in just a little bit. Moving now into the other uh, category, it's not standard and admitted. Uh, it is accessing the non-admitted uh, or excess and surplus side of the carrier world. And we don't really have time to get into uh, the nuances between admitted and non-admitted. Uh, suffice it to say that uh, these are the carriers that are not uh, registered to be uh, operating in the same capacity uh, as an admitted carrier. Typically, they don't participate in your state's uh, guarantee fund. Uh, which means if they go insolvent for some reason, uh, they are not backed up by the state guarantee fund, the, the Department of Insurance in your state. There are some other nuances we don't have time to get into about the non-admitted side of insurance, aka ENS, excess, and surplus. Just know that the best way to access these carriers most of the time is through MGAs, managing general agents, or uh, wholesale brokers uh, that can help you get access to the market. Uh, typically, uh, almost always, these sort of MGAs or brokers will focus on E and S uh, carriers, but occasionally you'll find some uh, that will bring you a mix of admitted and non-admitted. Uh, I'm thinking of Nationwide Broker Solutions, of Orchid, of of so many smaller uh, MGAs and wholesalers that, uh, you know, Appalachian Underwriters is another one uh, that can get you access to some admitted carriers. But most of the time, if you're working with an MGA or a wholesale broker, it's going to be for E&S paper. These organizations act like uh, a middleman. Uh, they give you access to an abundance of markets without uh, any production requirements most of the time. So it gives you greater diversity and a broader footprint uh, without you having to worry about keeping up uh, with carriers' expectations for direct production. So uh, it allows you to be uh, a lot more uh, broad in your approach uh, to certain things. So many states, when it comes to the ENS side of insurance, the revenue model is different. Uh, for those of you that are listening in the captive world, uh, you're not terribly familiar with the notion of an agency fee or a broker fee as it's sometimes called. Uh, but many states allow for the placement of a, uh, an agency or broker fee on an ENS policy. Uh, some states are more nuanced in the way that they handle it. So uh, refer to your state, your DOI for specifics there. Uh, but suffice it to say that ENS side of insurance can be very lucrative if you're setting up your business model correctly, if you are delivering value add services 
and having both a commission and a fee or perhaps just a fee uh, and you know netting your commission and choosing to not take any commission and take your entire piece of revenue uh, as a fee instead fees typically are fully earned so you don't have to worry about chargebacks now that is an entirely different subject we'll have an episode at some point probably one of these hot takes episodes talking about the strategy and best practices in my opinion uh, as it pertains uh, to you know building out a revenue model that includes agency or broker fees but if you're working with an MGA or a wholesale broker, typically you have the uh, option of placing a fee on the account, or if your state doesn't allow the collection of a commission and a fee, you probably have the alternative uh, to net your commissions and take a fee as your full revenue instead. Uh, you definitely need to be looking at where ENS uh, policies can fit into your operation. I know a lot of inside of the box majority person alliance agencies steer clear of ens because it's a lot more labor intensive and can be a lot more complicated um, but there are many opportunities for you to deliver a solution to your client uh, that is only available on ens uh, paper so uh, just take a good look and and see what you need to be competitive to deliver the best outcomes for your insured for your prospect and you may want to consider uh, uh, engaging with an MGA or wholesale broker if it makes sense for your office. Next, we're going to talk very briefly about these one-off programs where if you have found yourself in a situation when you've got a well-established niche, where you've got a lot of volume in one particular area, then you may want to consider uh, the possibility of creating a one-off program. If you're creating a program, you're going to need access uh, to the underwriter. You're going to need direct access to the actual carrier that is uh, doing the underwriting of the insurance product. Uh, this is an entirely separate conversation, which we'll have to unpack later. But if you have the volume to support a specific vertical and you are looking for uh, a product that is perhaps not available uh, in the marketplace, uh, then you may want to look at the possibility of creating a one-off program. Uh, this is something that a lot of MGAs have done in the past. Most MGAs and wholesale brokers got their start as a specialty boutique program that had one product that was delivering a solution to one particular prospect profile and just expanded naturally from there. Uh, so if, if you can't find what you're looking for in the marketplace, it's entirely possible you may need to just go out and create the product that your clients and prospects need uh, if it doesn't already exist. So that is definitely something outside the scope of this episode, but it needs to be said as we're looking at the different uh, broad categories of market access. So typically what you will see uh, these services that are um, delivering you these uh, market accesses on the ENS side of things or uh, in in admitted markets in some cases they're going to give you access to some standard markets you couldn't be uh, accessing otherwise they'll typically take a percentage of the commission split for any uh, written business most of them you're not going to pay any sort of uh, direct fee to this is definitely different than what we've talked about previously uh, with these clusters aggregators alliances whatever uh, this is functionally different than that kind of relationship because there is no uh, 
production expectation. There is no coaching or support from these MGAs and wholesale brokers. They are literally just somewhere to go to get market access and place business. So typically, the business that you write will be uh, on a subcode basis. Uh, so you may want to pay close attention to who actually owns the policies and the rights to the commissions. Uh, some wholesale brokers and MGAs will give you a subcode and you have to write under them so you're not eligible for contingency or bonuses depending on how that relationship is set up. So just make sure with any wholesale broker or MGA relationship, you are coming in eyes wide open and you know exactly uh, what you are signing up for. Um, because once you get into a, a relationship and you have you know a bunch of submissions and you've got bound business and you know how underwriters like to work, it can be difficult to remove yourself uh, from an MGA or wholesale broker relationship because you're starting over at zero with the next shop you decide to work with. So definitely take a minute and or several minutes and become very familiar uh, with the ins and outs of anyone uh, that you're considering placing business through. All right, so how do we build out the perfect mix of all of the above for your agency, for your office? How do we make sure that you have the market access that you need to have to be very competitive for the target profile that you have designed uh, and selected for yourself or your office uh, and the way that you want to run your shop? You really need to start at the very beginning of the conversation by having a well-designed, an up-to-date business plan because if you don't know which direction the ship is moving, it can be hard to know uh, if you're on course, if you are, you know, where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be. It's very difficult to get anywhere if you don't have a very specific plan before you start talking about um, these different programs or these different carriers and, and you start thinking like a kid with a toy box uh, instead of a, a business owner who is carefully designing the resources that need to be uh, available to be brought to market. So some questions you're going to want to ask yourself uh, prior to beginning the market selection process is going to be just some of the things we've already talked about in the past of having an identity for your office. But here's some of the questions that I came up with that I think are very important to identify prior to having a market selection conversation. Who is your perfect client avatar? What is your ideal mix for line of business? Uh, in an ideal world, where do you want to be? Commercial lines, personal lines. Are you going to have other lines of business? Employee benefits, life, health, disability, ancillary services, financial products, Medicare, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What kind of agency do you want to run? Where do you want to focus? Are you going to have a niche of some kind? Uh, what is that going to be? And when I say niche, I am not talking about an industry. I'm talking about a specific class of business that you want uh, to be working in. Um, to borrow the term from uh, my colleague Charles Specht, who has another great podcast, The Millionaire Insurance Producer. Uh, he's also on the agency intelligence podcast network. You can go check him out if you want to. But he uses the term micro niche to mean that you have selected something that is specifically focused enough to be useful. So often people will say, oh, I specialize in serving contractors or I specialize in um, restaurants. Okay, well, 
there are literally millions of contractors uh, in the country. So there's probably several thousand contractors, maybe tens of thousands of contractors, depending on how big your market is. So that's not a niche. That is a vertical. Uh, a niche would be something along the lines of I work with permitted trade contractors that own their building that have at least 10 power units and payroll north of 500,000 a year. Uh, that's something more like HVAC, plumbing, electrical. Uh, that's very specific. That kind of uh, niche selection will be very useful in determining your target product, uh, your, your carrier mix, I should say. Because once you have done the micro niche work where you've identified very specifically what you are going to target, then you can take that to market. You can go to underwriters, you can go to carriers and say, this is what I am writing. Is this something that you want to write? Talk to me about your appetite, your hit rate, your lines of business, your underwriting guidelines for this very specific vertical. So it's going to make the whole conversation a lot easier uh, if you have identified very specific things that you are trying to place. Uh, on the personal line side, maybe you are focusing exclusively on uh, first-time homebuyers who have uh, a median or moderate credit score. Uh, maybe they have uh, no youthful drivers, but maybe they have you know a ding or two on their record. Uh, you don't have as many options for being specific on the personalized side of insurance simply because there's not nearly as many variables. There's not many levers to pull like there is on the commercial side. But still, it makes a lot of sense if you're going to have a particular focus inside of uh, the personalized side of the industry other than just, oh, I write home and auto. Great, you and literally everybody else. So you probably want to be a little bit more specific on who your target profile is on the personal line side. The other thing that we're going to talk about, uh, just from a question standpoint, is what kind of office do you want to be geographically? Do you see yourself spreading out uh, and being uh, something like what we've done at Riskwell, uh, what Grayson Thompson has done at Mission, and lots of other people that have been uh, involved in the AFP ecosystem, uh, where you are going out and getting non-resident status in other states and writing business in other states? I will say it is a very different ballgame uh, when you get anything more than a small handful of states because then you've got a lot of extra hurdles to clear and a lot of extra work to be aware of what's going on in these other states. But simply put, are you going to focus on your own uh, area, your own market, your local area, you know, businesses and clients that are uh, within 30 miles of your office, 50 miles of your office? Are you going to be in a nearby state? Are you going to be a regional uh, retail agency? Or are you going to try and go national uh, and, and be able to take on whatever you want uh, in whatever state you find yourself in as far as referrals, actively marketing, etc.? The vast majority of retail agencies are going to be in one state only and spend most of their time in their natural market within a few miles of their office. So the way that you answer that question will help dictate the ideal mix for your carriers uh, because 
if you're going after non-resident uh, appointment status, then typically the carriers are going to have more questions. They're going to want to know more about exactly what you're planning to do and where you see their carrier fall into the overall mix of things. So we're at about the halfway point of this episode. So it's a good time to pause and allow our sponsor to run their ad. So let's do that right now. Hey, Freedom Jumper, are you looking to take your business to the next level? Who isn't, right? Write more business and see your agency succeed with NBS. At Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, they understand the challenges local agents face in the constantly changing marketplace. That's why they offer a wide array of personal and commercial markets and policy options to help you meet the needs of your customers, no matter how unique or outlandish they may be. With a team of experienced and dedicated professionals that provide you with the support and guidance you need to see your agency succeed, Nationwide Brokerage Solutions is here to support you every step of the way. Don't just survive in the competitive insurance industry. Thrive with Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. Get started today. Learn more at nbsbrokerage.com. Okay, moving now into the second half of the episode. Please do support our sponsors. Just about everybody that we have as a sponsor on AFP is a company that I personally use in our office. I think very highly of almost every sponsor that we have ever had on here. So please do uh, support the sponsors or at least talk to them and you know get a demo and see what they have to offer if you are not already using them. Got to drink that water, folks. Okay, so once you've identified those answers to those questions, it's time to do the research to figure out where the carriers need to be to help you be as competitive as possible. So for every niche, every section of your agency, uh, for your sales and marketing and business development plan, the, the things that you have targeted and said you want to be serious about this particular client avatar or prospect profile, whatever language you want to use, then it's time to go to the market and figure out who are the key players in the areas that you want to focus in. I think as a as a captive, I had this perception of the independent side of things that it was just going to be an appointment festival where I would go out and get whatever appointment I wanted and we'd represent 200 companies and everybody uh, would come to us and we'd be able to offer every product from every company to every potential prospect profile. Um, obviously, that's not how it works in the IA world. I was completely clueless there. But uh, that is definitely a prevailing mindset on the captive side of things, uh, that it's nothing more than, you know, a kid collecting uh, matchbox cars or, or Lego pieces uh, to put uh, out for whatever they want to build. Uh, it's definitely a lot better idea to have that stewardship mindset. Uh, the analogy I like to use, and I have used many times uh, with uh, carriers, uh, with programs that we're trying to get access to, uh, is very simply that I am the head coach of a team. And much like a, a football coach has 11 players on offense and 11 players on defense. And when that coach is building out uh, his or her roster, they are looking for the best people in the best positions uh, to get the job done for that particular job description. If you're trying to find a really solid running back, then you know you're going to be looking for specific physical characteristics 
and then the intangibles like um, attitude and work ethic and their ability to digest the playbook, etc. I'm going to stop there because the analogy falls apart pretty quickly uh, if, if you take it too far. But the idea is if we are approaching this conversation from the perspective of a head coach who is filling a variety of positions on our roster, it becomes very useful because you don't want to have a roster full of star quarterbacks or running backs or you know a roster full of 350-pound offensive linemen. You need a balance to get the job done uh, because each one of your target verticals is going to have probably two or three uh, carriers that are very competitive for that target vertical that can get the job done consistently, that have the right coverage, that have good underwriting guidelines, that have competitive pricing, that have competitive uh, value add services like in-house loss control, that have good claim experience, where you can lean on carrier resources to help you get the job done. And also to be building these relationships in a very specific nature with a carrier uh, so that it is a, a collaborative type of thing where you are familiar with an underwriter and how they like the submission to be, how they want the information to be presented if you have to go and ask uh, for an exception, ask for a, a reconsideration if there is a decline. Uh, if you find yourself needing to build a case, so to speak, uh, we'll talk in other episodes about how to build such a case with an executive summary, with supporting documents. And I'm mostly, of course, talking on the commercial side of things uh, because with the personal lines accounts, it's really, really black and white. It's just plug in the information and the black box spits out a number or a decline uh, based on the data. Uh, usually some sort of loss history or MVR for the auto side of things. But personal lines is a lot more... Uh, rudimentary when it comes to this particular uh, level of conversation. The important thing is that we are finding ourselves consistent with the agency that we say we want to be, the par the target uh, prospect that we say we want to go after, and the mix of carriers and wholesale brokers and programs that we need to be competitive. So I'm going to say something real quick that is uh, potentially uh, controversial, you know, you you may disagree, and that's totally fine. You can. Uh, this is my podcast, so I'm going to say what I think here. Way too often, the the post gets made in a group on social where someone is saying, "Hey, uh, does anybody know a market for insert obscure thing here uh, that that agent has not done before? Uh, they don't really know anything about it, and they are." learning on the job. Uh, they are attempting to locate a company. And if they find that company, uh, they may very well attempt to get appointed with that company to write a single piece of business. And this is a very bad idea for a lot of reasons, not the least of which is it's not in the best interest of the insured. And I really can't say more strongly how bad of an idea I think it is. Uh, if you don't have some kind of an idea already, uh, if you don't know where the market should be, or at least have an idea of where the market should be, then you shouldn't be telling the prospect, yeah, I can help you with this, or even I might can help you with this. Because when we reach 
And I've definitely been guilty of it in the past, not recently, because I don't really reach anymore. I, I stay in my lane and we do very, very well in our lane. And as we previously talked about on AFP, we refer out quite a bit uh, of business to other agents because we don't want to reach. We want to be the expert in a few uh, very particular verticals. And we're not going to chase business outside of what we've identified uh, as being our uh, particular verticals. So if you don't have an existing body of knowledge and you don't know where to place something, I would say you don't need to take on that account uh, for a lot of reasons. But uh, for your own selfish reasons, the opportunity cost for chasing a piece of business is going to be a lot higher than you think it is on the front end. You're almost always going to estimate lower than the actual uh, opportunity cost, the indirect cost of, of chasing a piece of business instead of staying in your lane and just doing what you do best. So you're really only going to need two or three at most uh, for your target profile. So once you have identified two or three excellent carriers for your target profile, then you can move on to other parts of the business. Now, again, in personal lines, this is uh, this is much different. It's a lot more rudimentary and you're going to need a lot more than two or three simply because there is a lot of overlap in the way that these carriers underwrite. Uh, my office has a total of 14 personal lines contracts, direct contracts. And we have at this point eight uh, commercial direct contracts. Uh, everything beyond that we have through uh, wholesale brokers and uh, MGA relationships where there's an indirect or middleman type of relationship. So those 14 uh, personal lines carriers have been selected very particularly and the eight commercial carriers absolutely have been selected intentionally. Each one of them has a very particular thing that we expect for them to do in our office. So here, here's the thing. When you have identified who you want to go after, how do you go and get those carriers to do business with you? Because that is the other side of the coin. And as a captive agent, you really have no idea about that challenge of not just representing uh, the insured well and having a good relationship with the insured. As an independent agency principal, it is imperative that we are stewarding and keeping good relationships with the underwriters and the program managers on the carrier side of things as well because it doesn't matter if you're doing a great job representing your client. If you're pissing off underwriters left and right, you're very soon going to find yourself having a very hard time placing business and you're going to be without the markets that you need to be uh, having access to so you can better represent your client's interest. So we'll have other, other episodes and other conversations about uh, better stewarding the uh, underwriter relationship and how to make sure underwriters love you. Um, but we don't have time to really dig into that. Uh, let me just say from a very high level as we uh, transition into the last real topic that we're going to uh, get into here is how do we go about getting uh, you know, these carriers to talk to us? 
is just be mindful of your underwriter relationships. You got to be really careful with submission volume because if you're going out there, if you're blocking markets, but you're not placing good business with an underwriter and they see your submission come in and they see uh, that your close rate is really poor, but your submission rate is high, one, you're going to be at the bottom of their stack because underwriters are people too and they have feelings, they have uh, their own goals, they have their own profitability uh, guidelines that they have to meet uh, with their carriers, with their programs that they're uh, employed by. So when we disrespect an underwriter relationship, uh, we damage uh, our credibility with that office. We make it more difficult uh, for us to be successful with them. Uh, this is a very long-term game. We can't make snap judgments. We really should not be making uh, appointment decisions based on individual accounts. Uh, just throwing it out there as a quick little side note, we got to make sure that we are mindful of stewarding those underwriter relationships uh, just as much uh, as we are uh, the insured because we really do as retail agents, we exist in this weird little middle ground between the company and the customer and we have to balance the needs and the interests of both of them. So last topic for this episode, how do we go about securing the target markets? And as a captive agent, this is not something that you ever have to mess with ever because you only have one company. You only have one set of products uh, that you are able to offer to your clients. So the concept of how do I get market access is going to be uh, very foreign to you. I will refer back to what we've talked about in a previous episode about uh, the four ways to go independent. Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. Uh, I think it was episode 19 of choosing which direction uh, to go for your freedom jump. But this market selection and market access conversation really is one of the main reasons why uh, I chose to go with SIAA, why many people choose to do business through an aggregator uh, cluster and alliance because the market access piece becomes a lot easier, especially at the very beginning of uh, of a retail agency. Uh, and if you're trying to scale into new markets, non-resident markets, it can be very helpful uh, to find yourself uh, part of an alliance or a cluster and aggregator. If you're doing something on your own, if you are reaching out uh, to see about the possibility of representing a carrier or a program, it always helps to do your research first, to go to their website, to talk to other agents in your circle that are appointed with them, to find out what they're all about, what they love, what they hate, the way they like to do business. And you need to have a very particular plan for how your interests align with their interests and where you would intend to insert them into your process. How are you going to give that carrier opportunities to be successful in your office and write quality, long-term, long-tenured, profitable business. Because far too often, the retail agent, retail agency principal, uh, is thinking in terms of written premium. You're thinking in terms of production when the carrier is always thinking in terms of profit. 
of profitability. They're looking at uh, the closing rate. They're looking at uh, details that we haven't really gotten into too much, uh, like uh, over profitability, uh, combined ratios. Uh, what is your uh, submission volume in certain verticals? Are you giving them uh, nothing but stuff that they don't really want? I mean, they can write it, they're competitive at it, but they would prefer to have a different book distribution. Perfect example I'll give to this subject is a, a an ongoing dialogue that I have had with Chubb. And Chubb is one of my favorite carriers. I love them. Uh, Shannon Mataiza is our rep. Uh, she does just a fantastic job representing her carrier. Uh, we find her to be a true ally, an asset in our office. We write a lot of LRO, lessors risk only, a lot of commercial property in my office. I'm very good at working with commercial real estate, with property owners, uh, with developers, uh, with commercial investors and syndication teams, the ones actually buying commercial real estate. The challenge is for our relationship with Chubb, uh, therefore about a year, a high percentage high percentage, like north of 60% of all of our submissions to Chubb were LRO uh, insureds. And we were successful at them. We wrote a, a large, uh, a couple of large accounts and had, had some good premium on the books. Uh, the problem is our distribution was off of where Chubb wanted it to be. They wanted to have a balance out uh, the LROs with more uh, mainstay carrier or uh, insureds like uh, skilled contractors and white collar uh, consultants and technology companies and medical offices and other things to balance out uh, what they saw as a relatively unprofitable line of business. And, and that is something that most agents, uh, most agency principals even aren't spending that much time thinking about uh, is the profit, the book mix. Uh, the large account, small account, medium account, like we've talked about in past episodes. But when we look at the stewardship uh, of that carrier relationship, we need to be mindful of things like what do they want and what do they not want? And after a call from uh, Shannon, our Chubb rep, she said, hey, I need you to stop placing LRO with us, please. Uh, we, we technically have an appetite for it, but your book mix is really heavy in LRO. We would appreciate you writing some other stuff with us to balance out the mix. And then we can have a conversation down the road about, uh, you know, placing more LRO, which, man, I really appreciate that. It is such a good uh, reminder to have these ongoing conversations with our carriers so that we can steward uh, those relationships and figure out who do we need as agency principals, as, uh, as high production uh, salespeople in the IA world, who do we need to be talking to? What relationships do we need to be successful in representing our client and getting the right numbers in front of our prospect, the right program, the right value, so that we're winning the deals that we want to win for our target verticals? Because if you're putting thought into how to build the perfect carrier mix, then you're already going to be more successful uh, than the agent down the street that just, you know, goes out and gets whatever appointments they can get. Uh, and they'll, you know, take a contract with anybody if they think that it'll help them, you know, write more business indiscriminately. So when you're having these conversations, I got totally off track here. So I want to make sure I land the plane before we end this episode. When you're trying to pitch your office 
to a carrier that you may not have any sort of existing rapport with if you're you know going full solo or you're trying to get a carrier that's outside of your cluster aggregator or whatever having a very specific business plan up front and being able to tell the carrier this is who we are this is who we're going after i know from reviewing your website uh, from talking to other people that are familiar with your carrier i know that you guys like to write xyz insert whatever your target vertical is there i see that uh, you know your carrier would be a valuable asset for my office there is a good mutual fit to write target accounts at a high volume and speak to them show them that you've done your research that you understand what kind of carrier they are how they see themselves in the marketplace who they want to write and help them understand exactly how you're going to help them get more good insureds on the books long tenured profitable accounts because that that is absolutely the way to approach a carrier relationship instead of saying hey can i get an appointment please because they hear that from everybody. It, it, it almost sounds like the panhandler begging for spare change on the street corner as opposed to you know, a meeting in the boardroom. You want to be in the boardroom, not on the street corner. So when you're approaching these carriers, you got to have your ducks in a row. You got to have a good idea of how they fit in. You need to have done your research and be able to demonstrate why you deserve that appointment over you know, the other office down the street that may also want it. So that is really it for our, our talk today about building the perfect carrier mix for your office. You need to have it in your mindset that this is going to be an evolution. And I, let me just real quick, um, one last thing that I will say, if something has changed and you have decided that a carrier that you currently represent is not a, a fit anymore for your needs and you don't anticipate them being a, a primary player in what you're doing, it is so much easier uh, to go back to that carrier in the future if you leave on good terms with them. If you get a contract terminated because of lack of production or failure to follow underwriting guidelines or, or whatever, if your contract is pulled with a carrier, you're going to have a very, very difficult time getting it back again. If you reach out to the carrier, as we did with Nationwide, the commercial line side of Nationwide, and said, hey, we don't see that uh, you guys fit in our mix of what we need for our office. We don't intend to be able to give you the submission volume that you deserve and that you should expect. Uh, so we are going to uh, relinquish our appointment with Nationwide and we're in the process of figuring out if that is actually going to happen or not because they've been more attractive on several accounts uh, in the last couple of weeks. But the point is, if we voluntarily give up uh, an appointment, it makes it very easy to revisit that conversation a year or two or three down the road should the needs of our office change. So don't be afraid to adjust and update you know, once or twice a year for the rest of your career. You need to be revisiting closing percentages, submission volume, uh, written business mix, and decide for yourself for, for that quarter, for that year, do you have the right mix of carriers for the people that you want to write in your office? And if you don't, then it's probably a great idea to engage in what we've talked about earlier of researching, of identifying who are the absolute best markets for the target profile that you're going after. 
and then figure out how to get access to them if you don't already. That is it for episode 24. I'd love your feedback here. Did I miss something in this conversation that you think we should have covered? please email me at podcast at riskwell.com. Also, join our Facebook group. Search Agency Freedom Podcast on Facebook. We'd love for you to share your opinion there, any challenges that you're encountering, any questions that you want to throw out there for the group. We have over 100 people in the group now, uh, and we're starting to get more traction on Uh, valuable content being shared. So uh, jump in there with me if you haven't already. I'm personally active in there. And that's a great place to engage uh, and just chop up this thing uh, that we're talking about here and really any other topic that you want. So thank you again for listening uh, to episode 24 of the Agency Freedom Podcast. Uh, This is an important topic. And I think if we as agency principals, as sales professionals can wrap our head around how to be a good steward of these relationships. Our underwriters are going to be more happy with us. Our insureds are definitely going to be happier with us. And we will be more successful if we are putting effort and thought and intentional action into these relationships. That's it for episode 24. Make it a great day, boys and girls. We will talk to you soon. Thanks.